Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. I'm Janet. Hi, Janet. How are you? I'm great. Good. Well, Janet and I have a very special guest on today's episode. We have Repodcasting favorite returning guest, Marita. Hi, everyone. Hi, Marita. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, it's great. Um, well, I'm even more excited that you're back because it means we are recasting our second Nicolas Cage movie. Woohoo! So as you probably saw on the episode title, uh, we're recasting the movie Outcast. What you may not know is what this movie is, because I had certainly never heard of it. Um, it was apparently released in 2014 in many places, in 2015 in others. But yeah, I'd never heard of it. Uh, we should also probably mention that this is part of our So Bad It's Scary film series uh, for October. And I'm not so sure that, well, the movie, I think it's more the performances that are so bad that they've made this movie scary. Yeah, it was pretty baffling, <laughs> I have to say, when I watched it. I don't know if anybody saw any reviews, but Glenn Kenny of RogerEbert.com said it marked a career shift from Nicolas Cage's entertainingly eccentric phase to his genuinely befuddling and perhaps sad phase. <laughs> That's terrible. But it is a really bad well, performance, I would agree with, but makes the yeah. movie really bad. Yeah, he also talked about his, quote, peculiar near British accent, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the accents are something to behold in this movie, for sure. So uh, it's Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen. Those are the two leads. And those are the two people that we decided to recast. Um, so, Janet, do you have some box office stats for this weird under-the-radar movie? I do, yes. So the budget on this movie was $25 million and the box office was $5 million. Ouch. So, ouch. Yeah, it was definitely not a commercial success. One thing that I saw, I didn't look up the full box office numbers, but one number caught my eye because um, on IMDb, you could see the box office split by country. And this movie made $774 in Portugal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like, I don't know, 50 people. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty interesting. I wonder interesting. if we know. I wonder if any of our relatives in Portugal... <laughs> Went to see this film unlikely but we should find out <laughs> you're probably too smart to go i mean it's so bad and boring and like i didn't know what it was about i just knew the title so when i started it and i was like okay i'm gonna have to write a synopsis for this the first thing i wrote was uh oh because <laughs> like this weird crusade time period that like i'm not interested in to begin with and then you have these two 
I mean, this was a complaint in, um, I think in Hong Kong and China that, uh, you know, you have these like white saviors coming. Like it's terrible. It's just awful. That should not be happen, have happened in 2014. But, um, the synopsis that I ended up just pulling from IMDb because I think it was too hard to <laughs> write myself. <laughs> Uh, a mysterious warrior teams up with the daughter and son of a deposed Chinese emperor to defeat their cruel brother who seeks their deaths. Which, yeah, that is essentially it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that sums up the movie really well. Um, and then I think what happened was that they cast um, Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen, who butchered these roles and made the movie terrible. Because it could have been good if they had cast proper people, which is why this is the perfect movie for your podcast. (laughs) Excellent. Well, why don't we take our first ad break and then we'll come back and do our recasting. This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. And now back to the show. And we're back. And um, I don't know who picked this movie. Janet, was it you? (laughs) It was me, yes. Uh... I actually watched this movie just on a whim. I was like flipping through Netflix and I saw this and I was like, what is this? I was like a movie with Nicolas Cage, Hayden Christensen. And like Hayden Christensen has like this wild, like punk rock, like mullet thing happening with his hair. I was like, I must watch this. (laughs) Um, and then when I watched it I was like wow this is a real shit sandwich and I thought this is perfect for our October uh, episode so bad it's scary because uh, as Marita and I actually discussed the movie um, like months ago and it was Mm -hmm. funny because you know I definitely agree with with what she said uh in regards to like the movie itself, it's got a solid script. It's beautifully shot. I mean, the cinematography is actually quite good. Um, The fight sequences in the movie, like I thought they were excellent. There's a lot going for this movie. And this is, I think one of the first movies that we've ever like recast where the actors, have actually made the movie bad. Like usually it's the other way around. I find that a lot of the movies that we often discuss on our podcast, the movie is just bad to begin with, right? And then, you know, the script is bad. The movie is just in general bad. And so we decide to like recast to sort of improve the movie. But in this case, this movie is actually quite well done. I actually didn't mind it at all. It's the two leads that make this movie bad. So I feel that if we recast these leads, I think this movie would actually be half decent. Sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I think 
everything with what you, I agree with everything that you just said. Um, the cinematography is amazing, and the the other roles in the movie, the other than the two leads, they were really good. Everyone was really good. Um, but yeah, just Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen, both of their performances just immediately take you right out of the movie. And it's like, they just ruined it. They, they totally ruined this movie. Sorry yeah. if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they both listen regularly. One thing that I saw was that Hayden Christensen practiced his Scottish. Scottish? Yeah. So he is playing a Scottish character. Apparently. No. So he practiced his Scottish character's constant fainting by going on a week-long pub crawl in Glasgow. Oh, my God. Whatever. Like, first of all... fainting. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember him fainting much. It says constant. But uh, also, he's not fainting from being drunk. Maybe once. He's drunk, but like for the most part, that's not the issue. And also, I don't think you need to go on a week-long pub crawl in Glasgow to get this character from the Crusades. And you'd be so drunk that you does he even remember how it felt? Like you know, yeah, truly, that's dumb. Sounds like an excuse to go drinking in Scotland. But Janet, if you want to start off with your uh, casting choice, okay, sure. So. Yeah, there was a lot going on here. There's like so much to unpack. Uh, but the I will say this, it was the accents that really preoccupied me, both Hayden Christensen's and Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I had a really hard time. I was very distracted uh, by the accents because they were just so bad that they were distracting. Um, and... I think that was what preoccupied me. That was like my number one thing uh, throughout the whole movie, especially with Hayden Christensen. Like, I don't know what was happening there. Like to me, he sounded like that stereotypical New York Bronx Italian who was trying to do a British accent. Like that's, it's like, what's going on there was like this this weird like mesh like I don't know what was happening and Nicolas Cage's was bad too um but I don't know Hayden Christensen's was just like so so stunningly bad that it was like I couldn't concentrate on anything else also I feel like he was trying really really hard like uh to make this character so intense to the point where it was like, it was just too extra and I wasn't buying it. I was not buying what he was trying to sell me at all. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I recast uh, Charlie Hoonam Ah. because that was the thing. I, I thought to myself, well, if we're supposed to have British, if they're using British accents, then I just want British actors. Like, what's the point of having like these American actors like completely butchering these accents. Right. <laughs> so anyway, with Charlie Hunnam, he is uh, about the same age as Hayden Christensen. Uh, I feel like Charlie Hunnam is best known or that people will best know, know him for um, Sons of Anarchy, the TV series. Uh, a lot of people, I feel like, 
they will know him for that. He's worked a lot with Guy Ritchie. Um, he did King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and then he was also in The Gentleman as well. And I think it was the King Arthur movie that made me think of him for this because I thought Charlie Hunnam could have nailed this role. Like he would have, you know what it is. I think, you know, you get used to seeing, or at least I have been watching really good performances lately in movies and just watching like really high quality acting and movies. So then sitting down and watching Hayden Christensen fall all over himself trying to to portray this character i was like wow like that's when you see like this person really is limited in his acting abilities like that role was just too much for for his skill set for his abilities so i feel like charlie hunnam would have been perfect for the role um and he's great, like at action, and you know he's he just could have done it. Marita, how about you? Who did you pick for the role of Jacob? Jacob. I don't know. It sounds weird, even like as a character name for this role. <laughs> uh, well, I agree that I felt Hayden Christensen just did a terrible job. He was completely unbelievable with his accent, number one, and then his his acting <laughs> sorry i feel so bad <laughs> people down but <laughs> but uh yeah I, I really feel like he did not fulfill the the purpose of this role at all so i chose someone who i was thinking like i wonder what you two will think of my casting choice cuz he's kind of been known to not like people say he's not a good actor but i think he um i just think he hasn't found the right roles for him. But anyway, I recast Robert Pattinson, who wow. you know from the Twilight saga. Because <laughs> um, he's British, because I also thought there are so many excellent British actors. You want two British roles, then cast British actors. Yeah. So I thought Robert Pattinson had the right age, the right look. But I do, I like Charlie Hoonan too. I think he's got the right look for this role too. Um, because you want someone who's young and strong and athletic and like, a, you know, really just has that attitude of like, I can do it. I can fight. I can, you know, win. And and I think Robert Pattinson has that look. And I think he could pull this role off because I felt uh, if I go back to Hayden Christensen, he was really flat in his delivery and that he did not connect with the audience at all. He just looked like he was trying to act in this role and it, it just takes you out of the movie instead yeah. of like pulling you in further to the story. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Robert Pattinson kind of got, and, and this happened to Kristen Stewart too, because they were in Twilight, they just kind of like were dismissed as if they can't do anything else. Um, but I think that, and, and I think this for both of them, put them in the right role and they're good. Yeah, I think so too. Cool. So for me, yeah, I couldn't agree more. That accent, like, I love that you didn't even know he was trying to be Scottish. That's how bad the accent was. Um, and then the haircut, too. Like, I don't know if that was his choice or someone else's, but it looked completely contemporary and, like, just so silly. Everything about Hayden Christensen screamed, 
I am not a part of this movie. I'm not like I'm just here on set. <laughs> um, so I went with someone a little younger, but I also very much wanted to go with someone British and who's done action movies. Um, and so I landed on Taron Edgerton, who in the same year was the first time he was in the Kingsman movie, in the first Kingsman movie. So what's, what's that? What's the name? Taron Edgerton. He was also Elton John in Rocket Man, which doesn't tell you what he can do in this movie. But <laughs> the Kingsman movies are action movies. And so uh, I've definitely seen him do that. And I think he would have that right attitude of like the, yes, I can do it, like, just a little more energy. Like, I don't know, Hayden Christensen. It's like he was trying, like you were saying, Janet, he was trying so hard to be so intense that he, but he just ended up being nothing, like just flat. Um, so, and you know what? I, <laughs> I don't say this to be mean, but it was really shocking because, so this movie is from 2014 and we recast the Hayden Christensen movie, Little Italy, which is from 2018. And honestly, that's only four years apart. He looks like he's at least 15 years younger in this movie than in Little Italy. I don't know what happened in those four years, but it must have been, like, pretty rough. Uh, Did they age him, maybe, for the movie, though? It, no, he was supposed to be younger than his actual age for Little Italy. So, yeah, maybe that was the problem. They were trying to make him look younger, and it just ended up making him look older. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Taron Edgerton was my uh, main, my first choice. I have second choices for these guys, too, because, um, and I know that this would then require rewrites in the movie, but uh, the whole white savior thing was bothering me. So then I also decided to cast two Chinese actors in these roles. Um, or sorry, I shouldn't say Chinese, Asian actors, because my Jacob is not uh, Chinese. So for that role, um, I cast Stephen Yun. From Walking Dead, from Sorry to Bother You, Okja, Minari. Um, I think he's so talented and so underrated. Um, Marita was shaking her head. I think she doesn't know who it is. I have no idea who he is. That's the problem. Like, I think he's such a talented actor and so few people know him by name. So um, I would have loved to have seen him lead this role. I think he would have been able to put some real emotion into it. So yeah, those are my two choices. But yeah, like you said, it would have the whole story would have to be rewritten because he would not have been in the Crusades. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so the next uh, recast would be uh, Nicholas Cage's character, which what's his name, Lucia? <laughs> Galane. Galane. Oh, I was just calling him the Wizard. Uh, like that's better. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, Nicholas Cage. I don't know. You know, I get that he's sort of become a parody and he's someone that people make fun of now. And it's based on all these movie choices that that he makes, right? All this all these sort of bizarre kind of movies um that he that he does or I don't know. I mean, I think he's a good actor. I don't really know what has happened. <laughs> in his career I don't we're not really here to sort of do like a career intervention for him so (laughs) he's his accent did bother me as well um and I was just like 
we need a, a British actor in this role. So I actually, I have two. Uh, my first choice was Russell Crowe. Yeah, because there was, you know what it was about this Ghislaine character? There was like a campiness to it. And maybe that's also because of Nick Cage and how he decided to portray the character. Um, but yeah, like there was definitely a campiness to it. It's like a big, he's like a big, loud, like brash kind of character. And I just... Russell Crowe was the first person who came into my mind. Like I was watching it and I was like, this would be like a perfect role for Russell Crowe. I could totally see him doing all of this and blustering about. I came so close to casting Russell Crowe as well. (laughs) Yeah. And he's definitely like, he's the right age as well. But my second choice was Gerard Butler. Oh, yeah. Listen, Gerard Butler loves to do bad movies. Uh, again, like this isn't a <laughs> But I could have seen Gerard Butler in this role as well. He's a little bit younger because Russell Crowe and Nicolas Cage are actually the same age. Um, Gerard Butler is about five years younger. But I think he could have played this role and convincingly. And he would have been able to do a British accent as well. <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, I've seen him in films where he's done a British accent very well, as a matter of fact. So I think I, he would have been, he could have done it. And I think any of those actors could have played opposite Charlie Hunnam. So. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. I like those choices. And uh, isn't it? Gerard Butler's dialect coach, Jerry Butler. He should have been on set helping out uh, Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen. Well, I've got a few comments about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Marita, what about you? Um, I agree that I thought Nicolas Cage, he had a terrible, terrible accent. It's like, it's... There's not even any words to describe how bad it was. It it was just shockingly bad. Um, And I felt like he also brought like a level of, I wrote ridiculousness to the role. And I felt like it's probably his own doing because he kind of, that's his brand. He's, he plays very like campy, silly roles all the time. I think he brings it to them. And I didn't think that was necessary in this movie. I thought it would be better without that that level of campiness. Um, So I felt like the character of Ghislaine, he's an older guy. He's worn out from war, uh, had a very hard life. So I recast, I think again, you're not going (laughs) to be on board with mine, but I recast Tom Hardy, who is British and he's from um, Venom and Mad Max. But I feel like you guys don't like him or am I wrong? You've said that before. I, I think Janet likes him. Yeah. Tom Hardy. Oh, it's that you do like him. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was going to get yeah. kicked off this podcast for recasting him. <laughs> I, could, I could see Tom Hardy in this role. Yeah, because he looks rugged and he just looks like he's had a hard life. So you wouldn't even need a lot of makeup. And then he's British, so he doesn't have to put on an accent. He could just speak in his normal voice. Um, and I think he's really good at action type movies. And this is this should have been more of an action movie. It is an action movie, but the campiness kind of takes it out of that a little bit. So, yeah. So I went with Tom Hardy. Um, I 
I, I'm not a like big Tom Hardy fan. I don't dislike him either. Uh, but picturing him, his character in Mad Max, like uh, Fury Road, absolutely, I could see him doing this role. Nice. Yeah. Um, so for me, as I said, I came so close to casting Russell Crowe, but my I ended up landing on Gerard Butler. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. He is a re-podcasting favorite. I mean, we love him. Absolutely. And so the thing is with me and Gerard Butler is I genuinely feel he has a very limited skill (laughs) set as an actor, but that this role and this movie falls right within that. So I think he would have been good there. (laughs) Um, Certainly, like, you know, he was in 300, which, like, feels like a similar vibe. And absolutely, he could do this. And... He wouldn't mess up the accent. <laughs> no. So yeah, I don't think I need to say much else. <laughs> about I, really, I really think with any of our recasts, this movie would have been way better and would have people would have heard about it. Yeah. I, yeah, that's the funny thing because on the day it w- it was supposed to be released in Beijing first, and on literally the day it was supposed to be released, they pulled it. Like the I think it was the Chinese government who said no, uh, and then the producers were trying like they did an interview with LA Times that day, and they're like, we don't really know why it got pulled, and so you know I think this also was just kind of like doomed. It was met. It was made for an audience, but. It's not really for that audience. So because it's, there's a lot of movies like that where you throw in like one or two American famous actors and then the rest of the cast is Chinese and it's made in China and it's it's essentially made for the Chinese market. But because this was not produced by a Chinese film company, it was considered a foreign film there. And so I like some people suspect that that's why it was pulled because it was right near like some holiday where they have limited numbers of foreign films released or something like that. So yeah, so I think it was made for that market. But then also it was the Chinese and Hong Kong people who were saying that they don't like this white savior thing happening in the movie too. So it's like they, they didn't know who they were making it for is I think what the real problem was. So did it ever get released in China? Or they pulled it and then it was never released? In China, I couldn't find if it did. Huh. It did get released in Hong Kong. Okay. So, the, and I guess technically now that's part of China. So the the other thing I wanted to mention was that the director, he only directed one other movie. And it's a Nicolas Cage movie from ni- 2019 called Primal. It's on Netflix. And I genuinely want to watch it. Um, but he's been a stuntman on 123 movies, including like some bigger movies like Born Identity, 28 Days Later, Tim Burton's Batman from 1989, um, Nacho Libre, Last Samurai, Hackers. He's won awards for his stunt work. Um, but yeah, he's only directed two movies. And they're both Nicolas Cage movies. So I wonder if just like they're friends, maybe. I bet they are friends. But um, it's funny because the directing of this movie. Uh, let me think how I want to say this. I thought it was it would have been good, except for he should have directed Nicolas Cage better but if they're friends and he's so much more famous than him i wonder if he was just like okay you do what you want to do (laughs) probably (laughs) um but that other movie primal is about like there's people on a ship and there's prisoners on the ship and there's wild animals on the ship and the prisoners somehow break free and 
free the wild animals. So they're all running around this ship. <laughs> so I kind of want to see it. <laughs> um, it could be another good repodcasting candidate, quite frankly. For October. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this might be a little mean, but I, I really need to comment on it. I The hair on both of these actors was bothering me throughout the whole thing. So Gary Goldstein of the LA Times, he said that the film may be best remembered for Cage's warrior quaff, saying that it was perhaps his most unflattering movie hairdo yet. And that's saying a lot. Well, yeah. it's. It's funny because I read a review where they compared him to that he looked like Gene Simmons from Kiss. Like, I saw that too. Yeah, but I Oh, I see it. Oh, really? No, see to me there's this song from the 80s called You Spin Me Round and I don't know the group, but that's who he reminded me of, the lead singer. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but, like, I didn't really see Kiss. It was more reminiscent of of the 80s for me, but <laughs> for me it was the little ponytail right on the top mm-hmm. that made me think of gene simmons uh i will say this about the um the accents because i was very curious uh so i sat through the credits to see who the dialogue the dialect coach was because i thought oh my god is it jerry butler <laughs> like the dialect coach that usually works with Gerard Butler, right? So I was like, is it this person? So it wasn't. It was this woman uh, by the name of Gay Brown. And then I did a deep dive because I was so, um, I was just so curious about this, this person and like her credentials. And you know what's fascinating to me is that this is someone who has worked uh for many, many years um, in this business as an actress and a dialogue, a dialect coach. She is British. She's based in London. Um, And she's got a lot of like really impressive credentials. Like we're talking, she's worked uh, with the National Theatre, the Royal Shakespeare Company in England, which is like super prestigious. And even if you look like then I was able to look at her, her entire CV. And I was like, this woman has impressive credentials. Like she worked on Sweeney Todd, um, the Tim Burton movie. And she's got like all these other film and theater and really extensive. And I just thought, you know, it's really like, I mean, sure, the actors look bad, but it's also a a reflection on her. And I have to wonder if they were just kind of like dismissive of her and not cooperative because she's obviously she's not an amateur is what I'm trying to say. Like she's someone who has an extensive background and yet their accents make her look like an amateur at the end of the day, really. So I wonder what that dynamic is like, like working with two actors who probably are like dismissive and like just don't give a shit and are not doing their homework properly. Like, what is that experience like? Let's get her on the phone. We have to we should have. Yes, we should have gotten her because I was so curious about this. And yeah, so. I don't know. I would love to know the backstory there. Let's I, I love like little details like that. I like to know the gossip 
right? And I bet you there's some really good gossip there. I bet you there's like a really good backstory there. Hmm. Yeah. Let me see if I can find her. It was probably really frustrating for her because if she's trying to get them to um, speak with a British accent or Scottish, I guess, for Hayden Christensen, and that's what the result was, then you have to think that they weren't listening. They were like, whatever, I've got it. Yeah, that's bad. Poor lady. Yeah, like it really does reflect poorly on her. Not so much for the audience, right? Because the audience, like, yeah, you're like, oh, their accents suck. But how many people actually, like, sit there to see who the dialect coach was? And, I mean, I was just, for me, I'm, like, really into this sort of thing. So I was curious, right? The average Mm -hmm. person doesn't care. But if you're in the industry, like, it reflects poorly on her, right? And it's interesting because I actually found an article on Vulture, um, about this, that sort of not this particular movie, but just an, it was a, an article that was written this year because it was um, it was basically saying that a lot of the uh, the Oscar contenders for for this year, like the accents were really bad. And so they um, they spoke to different dialect coaches. And there was one quote that was in the article that I found really, really interesting. And they didn't speak to this gay, her gay Brown. They didn't speak to this woman who did the, the dialect coaching for outcast. They spoke to different people, but there was um, one person who said that the people doing the coaching say the actors don't make it easy. And Mm, I, I believe that like, depending on who you're working with, right? Like, Maybe, especially people who, like, are bigger name, like, you know, maybe they are difficult, right? And, like, I could certainly see that presenting as a challenge, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I also think that acting and speaking with an accent are two completely different things because you have to have a really, really good ear to be able to speak in a a different accent. And acting that doesn't necessarily have to do with your ear that's more like music so I would think it would be really hard for some actors to ever change their accent properly and then if they're already a big star and it's something that they just can't do they suck at it it would affect their ego and it would make them more resistant to it and be like no you don't know what you're talking about I'm Nicolas Cage you know kind of thing (laughs) yeah yeah exactly for sure um yeah that must have been just brutal and it would totally make sense especially for like where Nicolas Cage was at in his career at that point too because and I think part of it I don't know if either of them are trying their best because I have seen Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen be very good in different roles. So there's part of me that feels like they maybe weren't putting their all into this, including the acting and the accents. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I, it's interesting because when you sort of look at Hayden Christensen's career, like, in retrospect, like when you're looking at it from the lens of right now, like, is he that good, really? 
like you kind of have to like look at at the work that he's done and it's like was he that good or were we just sort of like at, at the time it was like a zeitgeisty kind of thing right like he was involved in star wars and he was involved in i'm not so sure like looking at the lens when you compare him to like other actors and the work that's being done today and like some of his peers it's like yeah i i'm not so sure that i would say he's a good actor like he's been good in like maybe one movie that i've seen him in and that was it like i wonder if perhaps he was overrated because at that moment in time he was a big deal but I don't know. I just don't think that he's his I don't think that his career has evolved. Acting is a muscle. And I don't think that he's done enough over the last like 10-15 years to say that his acting muscles have strengthened, really. Yeah, I think that's fair because the two instances I can think of where I think he was good were many years ago. One was Life as a House. I think he was literally a teenager. And then um, Shattered Glass. Uh, so those were both a very long time ago. So I think that's a really good point of like... Shattered Glass was almost 20 years ago. Right. And Life as a House was over 20 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right that like he has not kept strengthening the acting muscle. Yeah. But I also think because... okay. I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday. Um, I'll shout it out. Celebrity Book Club. They were talking about George Lucas and Star Wars. Um, and so they were saying how George Lucas is a visionary, uh, but he is not a good director and he is not a good writer. And if you look at the Star Wars movies, like the ones where he directed, I think were the first three, the prequels, and then he wrote number four, which was the very first one that was released. But even the one that everybody kind of says is the best one, which is The Empire Strikes Back, that was not written by George Lucas. So a lot of people also think that, like... People really gave Hayden Christensen a lot of crap around Star Wars and that he was bad and he ruined it and the prequels were bad because of him. And I think that a lot of the blame should really be on George Lucas because also Natalie Portman is not good in the Star Wars movies and she is a very competent actor. So I don't know. But but it is interesting then to see where Natalie Portman's career went after Star Wars and where Hayden Christensen's went. So like... I don't know. I do feel like he was a little unfairly maligned around Star Wars. But I also like, don't get me wrong. I am not saying he could have been Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm just saying I think that he could have had a better career, but he there were some things that were unfairly put upon him. On just specifically speaking about the Star Wars movie? Yeah. Because what about Outcast? What about Outcast? But then that's many years later. Like he's had this dragging after later. him and not get. Yeah, Star Wars was in nineteen. When was he in Star Wars? Nineteen ninety nine was, was the first one. Although he might not have been in that one, so probably like two thousand and one. I don't think he's in nineteen ninety nine. Um, so it was like many years in between. Here it is. No, he's not in it. He uh, two thousand and two. He's Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, that's like, 
12 years between Star Wars and this movie. And so I think that that like ruined things for him post Star Wars in a lot of ways. I don't know. And then he just wasn't acting and he wasn't getting good roles and he wasn't taking good roles. And he like, I think part of it is that I don't think it's all that. (laughs) Maybe. Although um, if you look at his IMDb after Star Wars, he's been in like, just at a quick glance about 20 different things, 20 different movies. Yeah, but nothing with and buzz. So I, I feel like he's worked, I know, but I feel like uh, he's had ample time to work with various different directors to bring, to show that he is a good actor. And I don't think he has shown it. I just, I, I don't think he's very good. Um, but uh, also with Nicolas Cage, with you saying like you don't think he was trying his best, I felt like Nicolas Cage was being Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I think this is his role. Like this is who he plays in every single movie, and sometimes the movie calls for that in that role, and then it's a good Nicolas Cage movie. And sometimes the role doesn't call for it, and then it's a bad Nicolas Cage movie. But it's because he's so one dimensional. But I love Nicolas Cage in his proper roles. He's He's good in those, but you can't cast him in a role that isn't campy and silly and funny. You just can't because he can't play anything else. So I think he was trying his best. I think that is his best. And it works for some roles and not for others. But that might be, yeah, maybe that's fair. (laughs) We have different differing opinions, which is fine. (laughs) So if... Uh, I can go on to the ratings unless there's anything else. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, sorry. I just realized something. Uh, I did not uh, let you guys know who my second Ghislaine choice was. (laughs) I got so excited that you and I both cast Gerard Butler that I forgot to let you know who my Chinese Ghislaine was. (laughs) Um, Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So just quickly, for that role, I chose Donnie Yen. Um, he's in Rogue One and uh, the live action Mulan. He's in Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. And then he's been in a ton of Hong Kong martial arts movies. He's in a Ip Man series. There's like several of those movies. So he's really good. He's an excellent martial artist. Um, and I think that he and he's also a really good actor. I love him in Rogue One. I think he's my favorite part of that movie. So, yeah. So that's who I chose. I love the man movies for all your listeners. You should watch them. Oh, awesome. I've never seen them. Um, Okay. So the ratings for this movie for IMDb, this has a 33% from seven critics, which is also interesting that there are only seven critics who reviewed it on the (laughs) Metacritic site. Um, And then on Rotten Tomatoes, this has a whopping 4%. From 23 reviewers. Oh. <laughs> I've never heard of one that low. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty low. <laughs> um, but okay, so let's take our second ad break and then we'll come back and do our final segment. Do you ever feel like just a number, a digit, a denominator, a decimal, another cog in the big bank machine waiting on hold online? Never on time and always on your dime. Like your worth is only calculated by your net worth. In a world full of numbers, it's nice to know there's a place where you're not one. 
Connect First Credit Union. Bank on a brighter future. And we're back, and it is time for our final segment. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. And this is a weird one to put Tony Danza in. <laughs> Janet, where no. did uh, where did he land oh, for you? Listen, I like I've said before, I always like to give Tony the best roles. So I cast him as Ghislaine because <laughs> I wanted him. Yeah, listen, he's the right age. And I wanted him to like have one of the lead roles he's tony danza come on he deserves it so he's my galane 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. Uh, that's funny because that's where i put tony danza too he's my galane <laughs> uh i don't i've never heard him try to do a british accent but it probably wouldn't be any worse than um, nicholas cage so <laughs> and that he's got the right look so it's fine listen hayden christensen Sounded like Tony Danza (laughs) in the movie, trying to do like a Scottish or British accent. Like he sound to me, that's what he sounded like. He sounded like that stereotypical Italian New Yorker from the Bronx. Like that's his original accent, and he's trying to do a British accent. That is how my ear was hearing Hayden Christensen so which is incredible because I'm pretty sure he's Canadian and not from the Bronx he is Canadian (laughs) and like he's not from Woodbridge so sorry Woodbridge anyone who's listening but like I don't get it I don't get why he speaks that way it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever yeah, he, I think he, that was his interpretation of the accent. Like he was trying to make a British <laughs> accent. Like so my husband is his ancestors are Scottish. He's like his background, I guess, is Scottish. And he can do a really good Scottish accent. And when I try to do a Scottish accent, it's like completely butchered. I can't do it. And he thinks it's hilarious, but that's me trying to do a Scottish accent. And I have a feeling <laughs> That was him trying to do a Scottish accent, and that's how it was coming out. Yes, you could be right. Do you want to give us a taste, Marita? Um, <laughs> I can't think of <laughs> your Scottish <laughs> accent. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Scottish. <laughs> Spot on. Bang on. <laughs> Spot on, yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, I'm very yeah. excited to say that we have a quorum because I also cast Tony Danza as Ghislaine. <laughs> oh, yay! He, ha- he has to have the best, like, he has to have a lead role. He has to have one of the best roles. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I didn't want to make it problematic. So you kind of have to give him one of the white roles, which is only that or Jacob. (laughs) So, but yeah, that's great. I think he's my Elaine as well. He could have been one of the crusaders in the background, but then that's not a role for Tony Danza. No, of course not. He's too good for that. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for Outcast, And I think we have all improved this movie by a long shot. <laughs> Thank you, Marita, for joining us. Thank you again for having me. It's always fun to join you two and to uh, talk about movies that can, we can improve. Thanks, Marita. Uh, 
So speaking of movies we can improve, next month we'll be recasting The Way Back. Now there are more. There's more than one movie with that title. So this is a movie from 2020 starring Ben Affleck. Um, I couldn't find it streaming anywhere, so check your local library. I know my local library has it on DVD, <laughs> if you still have a DVD player. Um, so yeah, watch that movie. Come back and join us and recast along with us for next month. And Janet, as always, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.